0: Hey, church, happy Resurrection Sunday! Woo! I hope you're celebrating with me. Man, wasn't Amy Gordy, did she knock it out of the park? I celebrate what God has done in and through that young lady. And through many of you, God is is doing incredible things. I, I've i gotten texts, I've gotten calls, I even got pictures of different ones that have reached out to their community. and uh, And I just want to challenge you during this time, though we can't be in this building we know that his spirit dwells in this building your building the within us and so i want to challenge you keep reaching out keep doing keep thinking of others keep putting them and saying lord what do you want to do through me so that i can touch somebody else's life and we're going to be participating i want you to participate with me communion this morning and uh and we'll give you a time at the end of the message. I'll give you a few moments to get that together. Some crackers or juice or whatever you got there. If you got some bread and whatever you have. I just want you to participate with us celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus told us to do it until he returns. And so I want you to do that with me. And uh, that'll be a little after the message. And so um, uh, I just want to encourage you this morning. I am so excited This day above every other day. I know 1 Corinthians says some some people put one day above another. But this day, we celebrate one of the greatest days in human history. This isn't just any day. This is the day that Jesus proved who he was. This is the day where he not only said he's the Son of God, he's not only demonstrated by how he had healed and how well he lived, but really when he came out of the grave... That's when everybody knew, uh oh, he indeed is the Messiah. He's the game changer. This is the day we celebrate. It's all been fulfilled. And uh and I want to carry on the, the 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 series we've been in. This is the final one. We've been looking at the the seven sayings, the last words that Jesus said on the cross. And uh if you've never if you haven't been with us this time, I'm gonna go over just a quick glimpse of what that looks like. Uh, it's the, it's the words to live by. And the beautiful thing about it, these are the words that Jesus lived by, and here he is on the cross, and now he's demonstrating them before our very eyes, and he's sharing with us exactly what we should do, the last words, and, and we know now, man, there are so many words that are being out there on social media, on the news and everything. We really need to focus, Lord, what are you saying in the middle of this pandemic, I believe we're supposed to have his peace. I don't believe we're supposed to be fretting. We're supposed to walk in faith and not fear, knowing that he's got this and he's got us. And so uh, as we look at these, um, I want to look at the scripture we've been we've been kind of clinging to, and that's in Hebrews chapter twelve, verse two. If you got your Bibles or you got your Bible app, I'm gonna read it out of the message, and it says this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, like, like focus on there who both began and finished the race. We're in, we're in this now. He's already done it, did it perfect. And it says, study how he did it. We need to really lock in the Lord. How did you do this? Fully God, fully man. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're discovering. That's what we're walking to seeing fully man on the cross and fully God in the midst of it. And then it goes on to say, because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with god and i want to tell you god's called each one of you he's called me to live this life in such a way man it is exciting time to be alive it's not a time to shrink back it's a time to move forward and and it says this jesus could put up with anything along the way like cross shame i'll even go ahead and say pandemic Fear whatever came he could put up with it and now he's there in the uh, in the place of honor at the right hand alongside of god and he's there praying for you and me and so we've gone through these seven sayings and real quickly just a quick synopsis of what they are they're found in three of the gospels it's not in one place each one of the gospel writers the three uh, they they share different from their perspective of all that took place, and the first saying that Jesus said on the cross was found in Luke 23 verse 34, and he said this after he had taken the worst beating of his life of of literally, we really haven't seen really a great depiction of it because it said the Bible says he was beaten beyond recognition, so it was like a human flesh like a human hamburger meat just beaten uh, beard plucked out. Punched in the face, crown of, uh, of thorns on his head, blood gushing down his face. His body just ripped and massacrated from the, the cat of nine tails with the little bone and the metal. 39 of those that had ripped across him. And in that, he says the first words he says is, is found in Luke twenty three, thirty-four. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that's an encouraging thing to me, and it should be to you as well, because let's be honest, when we go through something, when somebody offends us, the last thing we want to do is think about forgiving. And Jesus took the worst beating and is looking at the very ones that beat him and said, he's praying for him, Father, I love the first word he said. Father, hey, Father, Lord, forgive them right there. Them, the ones that did this to me, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I would say to you, the power of forgiveness, man, today'd be a great day. If somebody's offended you, man, release them. And in so doing, you're actually releasing you. Don't let them, don't let them stay around. You, you go ahead and release them. Let God do his work in you. And so the second thing that we looked at was also found in the gospel of Luke a little bit later. He's there. And by the way, this is, this is being done between nine and 12 o'clock. Just a couple days ago, what we call Good Friday, where we celebrated and, and it was good for us. It wasn't good for Jesus. He was going through this, but this is, this is the hours between nine and 12 when he's making these first three statements. The second one, he's hanging there between two thieves. One of them's giving him a hard time and he's saying, if you're the son of God, get us out of this. Come on, man, hook us up. Get, get me down out of this. And Jesus knew this. He couldn't save himself and save us at the same time because Sin had to be paid for it carries a weight it carries a wage and he had to pay that wage And so the other thief beside him He looked at the other one. He rebuked the other the guy the other one that was giving him a hard time And he said man, don't you see that we des- we're getting what we deserve this man's done nothing And he looked at jesus and he said Remember me when you come into your kingdom And I love what jesus told him and some of you need to hear this He promised him paradise. Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. You know, we've made it so, seem so hard sometimes to connect with Jesus. And Jesus told this man there was nothing good he could have done at that point. There was, there was no works he had to stand on. He had to stand on one thing, the word of Jesus. And he said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. I'm going to give you an opportunity a little later to do that, but I'm going to keep moving. The third thing that Jesus said, as he's sitting there agonizing over his body, uh, pulsating with with every breath. I mean, he's got his his hands are nailed to the cross, his feet are there, hardly breathing. If you ever do a study on that, to see most people suffocate because you can't really get get a, a, a breath of fresh air, or you can't even get air. He's suffocating, but he he he, he manages, and he looks down and he sees his mother, sees Mary, and he sees. Uh, John, uh, the, the beloved disciple, and he said, woman. And I know in our culture, we, we, I did that message. He said, woman. And if you said woman, I know if I, if I called my mom a woman, it wouldn't be good. But in that culture, it was honor and respect. He said, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And what he was saying is, even in all the agony he was going through, he, he still cared about people and he cares about you and I. And he said, hey, Take care of your family. And we looked and there's, there's really three types of family. There's your immediate family. There's your faith family. And then there's also the family, the community that God has you planted in, your neighbors, those around you. And so he, he encouraged us to take care of family. And then at noon it started getting dark. That's when he started slipping away the, the, the humanity versus the divinity. Jesus was fully God, but fully man. And, This is where we actually see it demonstrated in in, uh, Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. In other words, clouds began to roll in. And the sun was not shining anymore. And it, it, it symbolized it's getting real serious now. It's getting dark. And maybe you've been at a dark place in your life before. Maybe it's not physical, but spiritual and emotional. And Jesus made this statement. Um, Our pastor, Mark Anthony Linton, executive pastor, he did a great job, knocked it out. I encourage you to go look at it. But he said, Eli, Eli, Lima Sapatini. And he said it this way, which says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here it is, God feeling forsaken by God. And it, it gives us the ability that here, here Jesus, fully God, fully man, it gives us the freedom to take our questions, the hard ones, to God, without condemnation, without fear, and allow us to res- draw strength from Him. So I encourage you to do that. And then the next statement, He goes on a little bit later, we go to John, the Gospel of John in 29, and He makes it, Jesus makes a statement, Knowing he's still fulfilling fulfilling scripture. He's actually there's over three hundred and sixty scriptures that he's fulfilling, really many more, and he's saying, Hey, while he's on there, he makes a statement and he says, I'm thirsty. And we see all through this this thing that he's the the, the cross, the whole thing that he's going through, he's taken and he's quoting different scriptures, Psalm twenty-two and others. And when he said I'm thirsty, he wasn't talking, yeah, it was a physical thirst. But we all have thirst. We have physical, we have emotional, and we have spiritual thirst. And I want to challenge you, of how we fulfill those thirsts, it's going to affect our lives in a, in a very big way. So I want to challenge you, the first thing you need to do, it, it needs to be that, that spiritual thirst. And then the other two, the physical and the emotional, you'll be surprised at how wonderful and how incredible they fall in line. Speaking about thirsty, I got a little thirsty myself. And then last week, one of our elders, Patrick Eades, he he did the saying, Jesus is there. It's still dark. And in John, um, in uh in John chapter nineteen, he's, he after he received a drink, he said, It is finished. To tell us that it's it's over. And, and Patrick did a great job. He used some of you as an example of things y'all were trying to get finished. And I, I, man, I just love that guy. He does an incredible job, uh, of, of bringing home the, these wonderful truths of the Lord with, with, with objects and what have you. And, but the, the point was Jesus finished it all. Like you can't be punished. Just like in our culture, you can't be punished for the same cri- uh, crime twice. It's called double indemnity. You can't do that. And Jesus paid for every sin. And so we don't have to pay for Him. He already did. And so if we'll accept that, that it's already been finished, it'll stop us from trying to do something we really can't do that Jesus already did. We don't need to. And today, here we are. We're finishing up. And I know we're on the cross, but we're going to go right from the cross through the grave and really to where you're at and to where I'm at and allow God to do a tremendous work. And, and today, we're finishing up. The last saying, the seventh saying, and it's found in Luke, uh, chapter 23 verse 46. And it said after he had taken a drink, and uh, he, he called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And it said when he had said this, he breathed his last. You know what's amazing? The first word he said that from the cross, while he's in this agony, the first word he used was father. Father, forgive them. The last thing he said, father. Still reaching out to his heavenly father. And he, and he, he did it in such a way, he said, Lord, I surrender. I, I, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, today, we're looking at this thing called the serenity of surrender. You know... In our co- culture right now, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, there's all these emotions that are being stirred, and I want to challenge you, man, power is found. The strength to walk through this life and do it well, no matter what's going on around us, is this, this, this thing of surrender. Jesus found serenity in His surrender. And you know it wasn't? It wasn't just while he was on the cross. He had been doing that his whole life. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, was the first time we really get to see a glimpse. And I'm going to tell you, some of you parents, you might have been a little nervous. I would have been nervous. Um, they had gone, this was 21 years before, uh, 22 years before this event that Jesus on the cross. It was during Passover. It was uh, they'd gone to Jerusalem for Passover, and and Mary and Joseph gotten a day away from Jerusalem and realized and recognize their son wasn't with them. Now I know some of you parents, and I've done it too. Anybody? Let's be real. You ever left your kids somewhere accidentally? I, I've done it. I'm not doing that. I don't say that proudly. Whether at church or somewhere, you don't do it on purpose. But you you learn real quick. Oh, I oh, I gotta find them. Well, they realize that and uh and really in that culture because it would have been a caravan it would have been just them so in that in that culture it would have been very easy that oh jesus is over there playing with this person they're over there doing this so it, it it could have happened but after they realized they went back to jerusalem and it says they searched for him for three days now i don't know about you but I, i've had an incident years ago and I've shared it with many of you of how I lost my son I I didn't lose him we were in Walmart he was looking at some toys and I kind of got distracted a little bit talking with somebody if you can imagine that and uh as I was I told him hey let's let's go ahead and we're gonna go ahead and head on on son we're gonna head on out come on let's go and he was an incredible young man normally he'd be right there by my side but I recognized after I got a few aisles over and, and recognized i looked down beside me expecting to see him right there and tap him on the head i recognized he wasn't there and i want to tell you the the feeling that went through my heart i was fixing to shut walmart down right there i was fixing to yell shut the doors and i ran down the aisles looking and i found him just a couple aisles over and i want to tell you what a relief it was they searched for him for three days and guess what you know the story in luke chapter two when they found him they found him in the temple And it said he was he was questioning the scribes and the elders. And he was asking them questions. And they were amazed at 12 years old at how much he knew. And it said this. It says when they found him, he made this statement. He said, didn't you know I would be about my father's business? Even at 12 years old, he had submitted himself. He was surrendered to, to accomplishing God's will. His father's will on this planet. So when he says this prayer... In, uh, in Luke 23 on the cross, when he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, I want you to think of three things. I believe this, this prayer, and that's what it is, he's just talking to his father. We just happen to be the beneficiaries of what he's saying. He said, there, there's three things that, emotions that this, uh, this prayer emits for us that we can glean from it. The first one is, is comfort. Yes, in the worst of the worst of the worst circumstances of his physical life on this planet, he makes a statement and says, Father, into your hands. In your hands. He entrusted himself into his father's hands. You know, I, I think of, 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 you know, when my kids were little, they would fall asleep. They'd want daddy or mama to hold them and, and they'd fall asleep and, you know, they'd, They'd be all tired and, you know, sometimes it might be for fear of the dark. Sometimes it might be something else. they just, just hold me, Dad, hold me, Dad, I want you to hold me. And they would fall asleep in my arms. And then I would take and I would ease them to their room and I'd ease them in their bed. And then they'd go, they'd still be asleep and they'd wake up in their bed the next day. Like, hey, all the fear was gone. It was all settled. You know, my daughter, sometimes I said, instead of carrying them, I'm just going to go and tell her a story in bed. And then I'd have to carry myself. I'd fall asleep there and carry myself back to my bed. But the thing about it, for us, this prayer, into your hands, you know, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That was a prayer. Even then, he's fulfilling his scripture. In Psalms chapter 31, verse 5, guess what it says? You guessed it. David writes, into your hands... I commit my spirit. It was a comforting thing that no matter what was going on, we could still entrust ourselves into the hands of our Father. It's a beautiful thing. The second thing that it, it, the emotion, the thing that it does, it was a prayer, uh, it was a prayer of control. You know, we all struggle for control. You know, many of us, the Bible says in Isaiah, we like sheep have all gone astray doing our own thing. I don't know if you're like me, but when I came to to Christ, when I surrendered my life, it wasn't because I just was so wonderful and I just thought, well, I'll add this to my life. My life, I had run I had done everything I could to try to fill my life with what I thought I needed. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you're still running. Maybe you're trying to, you know, if I could just get this, if I can just get this job, I get this money, if I can get this girl, if I can, if I can have this, if I can just get this, then I'll be, I'll have it. And that's called control. And Jesus. When he said into your hands, I commit, I surrender, I commit myself to you. And so. That was something that he'd already done just three days earlier, you know, just actually just a few hours earlier, because this is Resurrection Sunday on, on Good Friday. Jesus is dying. He's hanging there, but just the, the night before, after the Lord, after the Last Supper, he goes into the garden and that's where he learned surrender. That's where the surrender on the cross was really able to take place because it's in the garden that he says, He's, he's talking to his father even there. And in Luke is found in Matthew, uh, is found in Mark, Luke, and John Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in Luke 22, 42, he says this, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. But he says, yet, not my will, but your will be done. See, Jesus, even in this distressed time, he said, you know what? Father, your will is much better than my will. I'll mess it up. I'll make mistakes. I'll do things. I'll say things. I'll try to, to make things work out. And, and you always have my best in mind. And Jesus knew that. And he said, in, into your, Father, into your hands, I commit myself. And the, the third thing it emits, this prayer emits and, and gives us, it, it gives us confidence. Confidence. You're like, you know, when I'm going through something really rough and emotional, thing either either i'm at odds with somebody and yeah pastors go through it too i think sometimes more because we don't do certain things that somebody may want us to or don't do and and it can get upset and i want to tell you this time be praying for me pray for all pastors uh, i pray for them man there's some wonderful pastors online that i've got to watch and i'm praying for them and connecting with them and i challenge you to be doing that be praying for them but this prayer it literally it it it, it screams confidence that jesus said Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. The very essence of who I am. Like, I'm not trying to, to cover myself. I'm not trying to do... Lord, I surrender everything to you. That's what Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, it says this. In the New Living Translation, said, That is why I'm suffering. Paul's writing here in prison. And he says, But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard and keep what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. See, Paul was absolutely, here this man who was a Pharisee, who was attacking Christians for believing in Jesus, attacking them, and now here he is totally surrendering, submitting himself to the Lordship of Jesus, to our Heavenly Father. And I want to challenge you, this prayer that Jesus prayed, it wasn't, yeah, it's on the cross, but it took him, it, it happened before, it happened during, <clears throat> and it certainly happened after, because he continually entrusted himself to, to the Father. He continually gave himself. You know, this prayer also, one thing you may not know, is in the, in the uh, Jewish culture, this is a prayer that every mom would teach their children. We've got one similar. Maybe you've, You've said this before. I know. Growing up, my mom, and if you're watching, hey mom, uh, it was one that I'd always pray. It says, "Now I lay me down to sleep." Some of y'all can finish that, couldn't you? I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I want to tell you something. This morning, you, you don't have to worry about praying to take it. If you give Him your life, He's able to keep that, and He will take that. And, and this is, this is what I, I love about it. A bloodstained cross filled with the life of Jesus means you and I, we can be empty of sin, of guilt and shame. We can do that because of the, the cross that was filled with Jesus, the son of God and the son of man, because of what his life given for us, we get to be free. Romans five, eight. One of my favorite scriptures says this, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we're still sinners, while we're doing it, while we're messing up, we're mixing up, we're doing it wrong. While we're there, it says Christ died. In other words, he didn't wait for me to get it together. In the midst of it, he said, I see you and I've got you. I'm going to cover you. And then the second thing is an empty tomb. So, so Jesus died and then he was buried. And we know that this empty tomb, three days later, this this morning, we're celebrating the resurrected Savior. And this is the beautiful thing. A lot of people make a lot of emphasis about this empty tomb. Let me say something. The tomb itself, it wasn't, you know, like, oh, this is a special tomb. Yeah, it was a borrowed tomb. It wasn't even, like, could you imagine borrowing somebody's casket? That would be a little odd, you know what I'm saying? Jesus had a borrowed tomb and, and, and. And it wasn't that the tomb was so special. It demonstrates one thing. It's a symbol that, hey, he was dead, but he's alive. And he's alive for you and me right now. He is He's reaching out to us. So I like to put it this way. An empty tomb absence of the risen Savior means one thing. It means you and I, we can be filled with his life, with his love, and with his light. And I want to challenge you. That's, that's Romans... Eight verse 11 it says if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead is living in you living in me he said he who raised christ from the dead it will also give life to your mortal body it'll quicken your mortal body because of his spirit who lives in you because of the empty tomb we get to have life and so i just want to ask you a couple questions i close i want to ask you this on this beautiful resurrection sunday morning See the, sin, the surrender that Jesus demonstrated on the cross, that He demonstrated before, during, and on the cross. It reaches us today, and it begs this question. And I want to ask you, who or what are you surrendering your life to? You know, if you, if you ask yourself and ask yourself, what do you spend the most time doing? I know during this 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 distant separation. I know, uh, Netflix and Hulu and all these different, uh, streaming channels, uh, we, if we're not careful, we'll get locked into trying to pacify our real need. And, and we'll just sit there and keep on gorging ourselves on, on somebody else here, here, feed me here, just entertain me here. And I want to challenge you. This is a wonderful day to say, Hey, what am I surrendering my life to? What have I given myself to? Maybe you're home right now. You know, one thing people don't realize that the the virus, you know, I'm, I'm not fearful of that in any way. God's got that. What I am kind of concerned with is there's some people that they're isolating and it's, it's not a good thing. So so maybe you're sitting at home right now and you don't get to connect and you, you've kind of distanced yourself, not just physically, but maybe emotionally and spiritually. And, and maybe now you're, you're trying to and and gorge yourself on you know maybe with what you're drinking what you're smoking or, or or maybe what you're watching online and partaking of things that are just bringing you down further and further i'm telling you ask yourself what what you're surrendering to you know i i just have a couple things i was thinking of as i was going through and preparing this and god kept dropping this in my heart and i just man i just love jesus so much i don't deserve anything i have it's all been given to me by him And I pray you can say the same thing. And if not, before we finish in just a moment, I believe you can. It says, you know, as I was going through, the message of the death and resurrection of Jesus isn't about me doing something. It's about me receiving something. That's what this whole day we're celebrating is what he did, not what I've done. And so um, it's about it's not about what I've done. It's all about what he's done. And continues to do to those who receive him, and I, I, I got one last thought, and I want to close. I want to pray and pray for you, and hopefully you're hanging out and you'll 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 connect with us in this way. You know, church. We've heard a lot about church being shut down and church being that. Y- y'all, this is the building. I I said at the beginning, this this building's empty, but this building here, man, it's full. <laughs> I've got the Spirit of God dwelling right here. It's a joy and honor. I'm so blessed that He chose me to do this. And I want to tell you something. There's nothing special about me except for what God has done. And so, even though uh, we we say church isn't a building, we, church isn't about us displaying our goodness. You know, we're going to be coming back to this building. The church will be coming back to this building. This, this building houses the church. You and I were the church. And it's never a place where we come and display how good we are. Church is always a place and should always be a place. And that's why we're the church. I'm meeting with you in your living room right now. I'm meeting with you wherever you are, on your phone or on your iPad or whatever. Whatever you happen to be able to stream this on. And the church is about, and this whole day is about, receiving His goodness. Not me displaying mine, but me receiving His goodness and maybe you've you're, you're you've been listening to this and and maybe you say mark you don't know I've done some things I've done some things that that I'm not proud of well I want to tell you something I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of every human being alive can say that except for one the one we celebrate today and i want to challenge you that maybe maybe you've been been hearing a lot about jesus online i love it there's people singing there's people singing worship songs and praise and i just sit and i'm like wow how beautiful hearts are turning to the one true god to to jesus the one that deserves it all and and i'm just i just wonder maybe maybe you've heard some of this but you've never made a decision to say i surrender to you maybe you've prayed and maybe you think well i prayed but god didn't hear me you know There's one thing I've learned in 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 my walk with the Lord, this journey I've been on. Really, it's more about what I surrender. That it's not something I pray like I know when I get what and who I give my life to. And so I continually, every morning, my prayer is simply this: God, I did it 34 years ago. I gave you my life. I said, Lord, I've made a mess of this life. If you can do anything with it, here, take it. It's yours. And I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe maybe you've said a prayer, but you've never given Him your life. Just like Jesus surrendered His life continually before the cross, on the cross, and even after the cross, even now at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and me right now, I want to encourage you that today would be a great day to give Him your life. And it would be an honor and a privilege for me if you would pray with me right now. And it's simple. I'll give you the same prayer that I prayed 34 years ago. And it's nothing special about the prayer. It's about the heart and it's about who you're giving your life to. It's about a surrender. And so I want to, I want to, I want to give you this opportunity and I'm going to ask you wherever you're at, if you would say this prayer out loud with me and I don't care who's there. I did this in this sanctuary 34 years ago right over there and, uh, Praise God, a wonderful man, Alan Berry, who's with the Lord right now. He, he, he stayed with me for a few hours as I was getting some things right with the Lord. And I just want you, if you would, just, would you just close your eyes? It's just a sign, or you can leave them open however. But, you know, it's a way of, of being alone with the Lord. It's a, it's a, Jesus, I just want to connect with you. And so I just want you, if you would, if you just say this prayer with me, Father, I choose as an act of my will to surrender my life to you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you 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 lived a perfect life. You died on the cross and you rose from the grave. and It was for one thing. It was for my benefit. It was for my good. You didn't need to be saved. I did. And I choose as an act of my will to give my life to you. Would you come and live your life in and through me? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, if you said that prayer, I would love, just as I did 34 years ago, I had people that helped me walk on this journey. I want to tell you, I've been blessed to be on staff at this church for nearly 30 years. But I know one thing, I couldn't have done it alone. I had people walking this journey with me, encouraging, supporting, even still today. I want to challenge you. If you made that commitment, would you do me a tremendous favor? We have a form you could fill out. Maybe it's it's the link above you, above your screen, or maybe below the screen. But if you would take just a moment and you click on that, it would be a joy and honor to celebrate your next steps. All of us, while we're on this planet, we all go through stuff. And we don't need to do that alone. I would love to help you do that. And I know our staff and, and the people of our church would love to help you do that. And so if you'd fill that out and let us know. And, uh, man, I just celebrate with you. I celebrate. I know this is a glorious day. I can't think of any better day to commit your life to do that.